1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I want your hot takes today. I want them so hot you need the oven mitts. Tom Bauer, Julian Kushnick along for the ride as well. They're producing the program tonight. And, yeah, we call it an overreaction Monday. We do that during the football season because the NFL is one of those sports where, yeah, now we only play 17 games, which is, you know, more than what we used to play. But there's only 17 of these things. And each one, yes, it carries its own little sort of importance. But I think the NFL more so than any other sport, because you're playing lesser games than the others. There are so many emotional swings and so many different ways to over-evaluate one out of the 17 like nothing else that compares to it. And especially on Football Mondays, there is so much overreaction, whether it was good, whether it was bad. There's never any in-between. But I feel that there needs to be. And so that's why I think it's an appropriate term for the show of Overreaction Monday. And we'll have some fun. And certainly if you are one of the fans of the area football teams, some of you had a bad Monday. Some of you had a very good Monday. Some of you had a Monday where you woke up this morning and it felt like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. And you got Sonny and Cher on your clock radio because it felt like Groundhog Day. And we're talking about the Jets, of course. Like, where have I seen this performance before? Where have I seen that type of an effort and an outing at MetLife Stadium that you got yesterday against the Baltimore Ravens? I can think of a few. And on the other hand, if you're a Giant fan, you see that game yesterday in Tennessee. And quite simply, and I'll put this out there, in my opinion, forget about just our city, throughout the entire National Football League, The New York football Giants gave you nothing other than the biggest week one upset in the entire National Football League. And if you are a Giants fan, not only you should be feeling good today, I'm sure you felt really good last night when you went to sleep, but you should enjoy this one to no end. You should enjoy this one well into next Sunday when you come home and you have your home opener against Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers, which now certainly carries a little bit different weight. And you're going to go into that stadium with a little bit different feel than maybe what you thought you would have based upon what your team did yesterday in Brian Dayball's debut in the Music City, coming from behind to beat the Tennessee Titans. And also in the process, not that I speak for anybody of relatively close importance to the situation, but you probably ruined quite a few knockout pools and survivor pools across the country, not naming any names. But what a victory. I mean, really, what more can you say? Last night, or yesterday afternoon, however you want to call it, we're at the stadium, in the coaches' club, doing the Jet Post game show. And in the club, like where we're situated, you don't really get a chance to get a clear-on view of the televisions that they have in there where they're showing the other NFL games and so on and so forth. So we're just going by reports you know, you got the scores on your computer and whatnot, you know, Anthony and Ray down the line telling us like what's happened in some of these other games if there's a crazy play, but I'm not sitting there like watching the game, so I really don't have much of a feel, and when I saw the Giants fall behind 13-0 at halftime, and then you see all of the, you know, the doomsday type of tweets coming from the fans and so on and so forth, you kind of just got the feeling of, well, it's going to be a long day for the Giants. Kind of what I thought it was going to be before they even kicked it off. That's why I picked Tennessee. That's why I felt very comfortable in the pick. And it didn't start the way you thought the game was going to end up. But by the time I got home last night, Tennessee was up by seven, and then I saw that fourth quarter. And to tell you that I was surprised, I I mean, that's an understatement. But what a victory for this football team. You know, Daniel Jones gets sacked four times in the first half of this game. Fumbles the football on another one with Bud Dupree when he got him, and you're thinking, well, well, nothing's really changed there, has it? Different year. The offensive line still can't block anybody. Daniel Jones still has a case of the dropsies, Can't hold on to the football. What else is new? And the turning point in this football game, make no mistake about it, it was Saquon Barkley's 68-yard scamper in the third quarter. That changed the tenor of the football game. Now, before that, though, before that, You had Todd Downing, who's the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, and we'll get to him again in just a little bit, but you know, he had a few head scratchers yesterday, and he kind of kept the door open a little bit for the Giants. Even when Tennessee had that 13-0 lead, they were faced with a third and one early in the third quarter, and Downing dials up a wildcat play involving Derrick Henry, which, look, I know they've done it many times before. And Henry was unable to secure the snap from the shotgun there. He put it on the ground, and it allowed the Giant defense to get enough penetration to where they were able to stuff him, and Tennessee had to punt the football away. Next sequence is when you had Saquon busting off that big run, which got the Giants into business. Got the touchdown on that drive, even though they missed the point after try, so it's still 13-6. Next drive, what happens? Boom. You have Daniel Jones to Sterling Shepard, huge touchdown throw and catch. You got yourself a brand-new football game going into the fourth quarter. And you got to be feeling good about yourself at that point. You're thinking, we got a chance. The way this game started, the way the fact that we couldn't keep our quarterback off the turf, the way that we couldn't really get anything going offensively, it just felt felt like, you know, same old Giants, the malaise of the last several years. It just thought it was snowballing again, again, and again. But maybe this is a different Giant team. Who knows? And let's not get carried away here, right? We don't know for sure if this is going to be sustainable. But at least for one week, at least for one week, the Giants showed you that you maybe have a little bit of confidence in this coaching staff. For the first time in how many years the Giants actually won a game early in the season? I know the Jets haven't won a game in September since, like, Noah had his arc. But the Giants had several years here of, like, 0-2, 0-3, 0-5. You know, they have not had success early on. And the Giants got a little bit of a boost from Tennessee. Like I said, playing into their hands a little bit in that fourth quarter when Phillips muffed that punt early on. Giants got good field position. You had then Daniel Jones, though, throw the end zone INT. And you're thinking, all right, maybe it's not to be. Jones still making the costly mistakes. Remember, he has not been a good red zone quarterback. When you talk about turnovers protecting the football, and you had it happen again in week number one, I thought it was refreshing that you had Brian Dayball go over to the bench and talk to Daniel Jones, and I should say talk to him, probably use some colorful language, which I think we all kind of got the gist of the message that he was trying to convey, right? But they still weren't done at that point. And now we bring back Todd Downing's name yet again, the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, because they were faced with a third and one, and at that point you're thinking, all right, Titans get this yard, That's going to take at least another two minutes off of this clock. Game is probably going to be pretty much close to over at this point. A third and one, you got Derrick Henry, who is probably the most physical, toughest back to bring down in the National Football League. And Todd Downing, and I don't know what the hell was going on in his brain. I don't know how many plays he had on that play sheet. I don't know how many times they ran it during the week in practice. But to say that the tight end end end-around call was a complete and utter disaster, I think that's one that he would probably like back again. And that gave the Giants yet a ninth life in this football game. And how about Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka? When the Giants were faced with a fourth and one on that eventual game-winning drive, they dial up a quarterback keeper for Daniel Jones. How about that? Now, all of these calls, though, by the way, should come with a disclaimer because if none of them work, you know, we're not sitting here today talking about the cojones of Brian Dayball and the gutsy and the aggressive play calling. Instead, we'd be sitting here calling him for being a stupid coach and not knowing what he's doing like we're sitting here saying about the Tennessee offensive coordinator. The two-point play, hey, hindsight 2020, brilliant call. But for a new head coach who's trying to put his stamp on this program, yeah, that was an important decision. And it was an important call. You know, remember on Friday and all last week when we were talking about the season and what would account for a successful year, right, for the New York Giants? And we said it's not necessarily too much about wins and losses. Yeah, you want to win some games. But more so than anything else, obviously the quarterback You want to have him show one way or the other that he is or isn't the guy moving forward, but you want Brian Dayball to implement this culture, the new breath of fresh air for this football team, which has been lying in stink for the last I don't know how many years, and this malaise under the Dave Gettleman watch that they have been unable to break apart from. Well, for one afternoon, you got that. Fourth and one quarterback keep, first down. The two-point decision? The flip to Saquon Barkley, which, by the way, I mean, you go back and watch the play. Tennessee, they're watching that film this morning, probably kicking themselves because they had not one but two guys in the backfield, and they had Saquon dead to rights on that play. But Saquon made a nice move, juked them out, and found his way into the end zone to give the Giants the lead. And then again, Tennessee just giving the Giants life, breathing fresh air into their upset quest. On that last drive, man, when Tannehill hooked up with Phillips on that long completion to where that gave them the opportunity to at least try that field goal to win the game, Tennessee screwed themselves. Did they not? And they took way too much time. Tennessee was sitting there celebrating like they won the game already. They thought the ball had sailed through the uprights the way they were celebrating after that catch. And it took way too much time for them to get back into the huddle. Tannehill didn't even get into the huddle until there was 10 seconds left on the play clock. And they had to burn a timeout. At that point, I don't know, it's inexcusable. You burn that last timeout, they're unable to do anything on the next play where they essentially just lost yardage so they could center the ball to give Bullock an opportunity to kick the thing dead on. But they maybe could have got themselves an extra five yards, six yards. If they had that timeout to work with, you throw a quick hitch, boom, the guy goes down, call timeout, get your kicker out on the field. And if you saw the way that field goal kind of sailed towards the uprights and eventually passed it, five, six yards might have made a difference, right? That could have been the difference. You know, no good from whatever it was, but it might have been good five yards, six yards, a little bit closer. And we're sitting here having an entirely different conversation. Little things like that can cost you football games. And you know what? cost the Tennessee Titans yesterday. But that doesn't matter, right? It's a good day if you're a Giant fan. It's a huge victory for you. And I know it's only one win. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that, you know, you should go order playoff tickets and start making, you know, your your February plans to Glendale because you're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. We know that that's not happening, right? A couple of seasons ago in 2020, as a matter of fact, Jacksonville Jaguars won their first game of the year. They upset the Indianapolis Colts. They picked off Phillip Rivers. I don't know how many times that day. And you know what Jacksonville proceeded to do the rest of the season? They lost out. They lost out. They lost their last 15, and that got them Trevor Lawrence in the following year's draft. So this doesn't mean the Giants are going to have a good year. It doesn't mean the Giants are going to have a bad year. But you know what it means? At least to me. Maybe things are starting to change a little bit. Maybe, maybe Brian Dayball will prove to be the right guy. But at the very least, it's a different voice. It's a different look. And it's a different feel. At least after one week of this NFL season. And if you're a Giant fan, you got to feel good about it. You got to feel really good. 800-919-3776. Want to hear from the Giant fans after that one yesterday. How has your outlook altered in any way after just... One game of the season. Still got some more to break down on it, of course. We'll hear from some of the particulars post-game. We'll get to all the jet stuff a little bit later. Don't worry. I know I heard from a lot of you yesterday. Got some more to say about it as well. We'll do plenty around week one in the National Football League. The good, the bad, the head scratchers, you name it. And we won't forget about the baseball either. Good weekend for the Yankees. Steadying that ship against the Tampa Bay Rays, doing what they have to do and winning two out of three. Mets also rebounded in Miami, winning a couple of games, lopsided fashion, no less. Got some help from the Seattle Mariners and the out-of-town scoreboard. How about that game yesterday? You know, I'm leaving the stadium yesterday, and I'm checking the score, and I see that the Braves are down 6-2 or whatever it was, 5-2, 6-2, going to the ninth inning. And I'm like, all right, well, Braves are going to lose. Mets are going to be up a game and a half in the division. And then I forgot about it. Forgot about it. And I got home, and then the Braves start making this comeback in the ninth inning. I said, what's happening here? And then they come all the way back, and they take the lead. And I says, you cannot be serious. And then I just forgot about it. I said, I'm done. You know, I had to get ready to go back out or whatnot. And I was stunned to see a little bit later on that Seattle then hit two home runs (laughs) in the bottom of the ninth inning, came back and beat the Braves. That's got to be one of the craziest ninth innings you're going to see all year. So now the Braves road trip goes on to San Francisco tonight. Mets have that one-and-a-half game lead. They're opening up a series first to three against the Cubbies out at City Field tonight with Chris Bassett. So football's on tap. Baseball's on tap. It's an overreaction Monday. Glad you could be a part of it. It's the Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Must be 21 plus plus present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Real quick, I know a couple of people have inquired. Uh, so for those few of you that are looking for the wildly popular Inside the Jets program, which aired on Mondays for decades. Plural, I think, decades. Uh, Inside the Jets is no more. I got a chance to host it for the last couple of seasons. Maybe it was me. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I just drove the thing completely into the ground. But uh, inside the Jets is no more. Uh, so it was a very, very good run. And, you know, uh, it kind of, you know, outgrew itself, if you will. So, but we had fun doing it. So you're stuck with me, unfortunately, instead of uh, inside the Jets. But we will talk Jets plenty on Mondays, as you could imagine here. Talking Giants, though, to start the program today. And as far as day concern. concerned, Not to say that what you saw from this team in the last couple of years was totally on the head coach. Didn't help, but we know that there were bigger problems within the organization than just the guy who was on the sidelines presiding over everything. You know, the guy who put the team together for the last handful of years did an awful job and really didn't give the coaches a hell of a lot to work with. I think that goes without saying. But that two-point conversion, see, like, I'll ask a Giant fan right now, Let's say the Giants didn't convert the two-point conversion play. Let's say that Saquon got taken down in the backfield, which very easily could have happened. What would your attitude have been today? Like, were there there have been Giant fans who would have actually looked at this situation and said to themselves, boy, you know what, Dayball's a fool. How do you go for two there? Just kick the extra point and get to overtime and then take your chances there because you had all the momentum. Or would you still have found solace in the whole thing and said, you know what? I admire the aggressiveness. I admire taking a chance on the road, trying to steal a victory. I think you have to look at it the latter. Now, you don't have to worry about it, though, because you won the game and you got the two-point try. But here was the head coach, Brian Dayball, on what his mindset was in going for that two-point conversion.
2: Go for the win. We're going to be aggressive. That's our that's what we want to do. Um, that's the mindset I want the players to have. And uh, if it didn't work, uh, I could live with it. You know, I thought that was the right decision. You know, you're an inch away or whatever it was. I trust Saquon. I, I grabbed a couple of the defensive players that have busted their uh, tails out there, uh, along with some of the offensive guys that weren't out there. And I said, hey, we got the ball wherever it was. I said, we score. I'm going for two. You guys go with that? And they said, you know, F yeah.
1: Steve Young, who, of course, is a Hall of Fame quarterback is on every Monday on the Michael K Show. He was asked by the guys a little bit earlier today if we would feel the same, just like I was referring to a little while ago, if that two-point conversion didn't work. No, of course
0: not. But there's also a feeling like we're with this coach because he's going to put us in a spot to be great. And he believes in us, and we got to come through for him. So there's something that happens when a coach is going to be, he he declares himself, I'm going to play. What did he say the night before? They said in the newspaper, I'm going to coach without fear. And if I'm going to coach without fear, what I'm telling you is, you guys are going to come through for me. And so players take that. They're like, oh, he believes in us. And he believes that we're going to come through for him. We got to do that for him. And it's just, it's groupthink that really is powerful. So even if they would have not or he didn't get it. I think there's something to be gained on it. It's just you can't be foolish. Players smell trouble earlier than anybody. They can see it. The guy's not authentic. He's just playing to the crowd. He's not going to stand behind him when they're not playing well. All those things go into it. But as far as yesterday, he said he was going to do it. He did it. They get something if they don't make it. They really get something if they do. So obviously you see all the benefits of it you know, today.
1: You know what they got something out of as well yesterday? Saquon Barkley. And I was bullish on Saquon. I said it all the lead up to the start of the season. I thought that he was going to have somewhat of a return to form this year. You know, maybe not exactly that guy we saw in 2018 when he was a rookie, but I thought he was primed for a bounce back. And if one game is any sort of an indication, I mean, Giants could have something on their hands. I don't know. You tell me, is it still too early or is it is it, you know, are, are we not at the point yet where we could start to maybe talking about <laughs> – Giants entertaining trade offers for Saquon? Is it too early for that yet? Right? If you want to talk big picture and, like, down the road, what's going to help the Giants turn this thing around faster and get to where they want to get to? I mean, what? If, seriously, what if Saquon continues to ball out like this for the next, you know, four or five weeks? And he's putting up over, you know, 150. Like, yesterday he had 194 yards from scrimmage. What if he's put up like 150 yards of scrimmage each and every week and his trade value is like tremendously high? You do it? If a team just like completely blows you out of the water with a a, a significant trade offer, high draft choices, would you do it? Even at the expense of maybe winning games? And let's not forget too, I mean this giant schedule, we were talking about it last week before the season started. There's opportunity. Like, the Jets and the Giants schedule are, like, night and day, at least on paper. Like, we looked at the first 10 weeks of the season for the Giants. There are winnable games there, really and truly. And now you can even extend it maybe week 11 on Thanksgiving. But but the schedule leading up to Thanksgiving, Titans, which I thought was going to be a loss. Panthers. Cowboys, you're playing Cooper Rush, right? Bears, at the Packers, Ravens, at the Jaguars, at the Seahawks, home Texans, home Lions. I mean, you don't want to get too crazy if you're a fan, but just those 10 games right there, you mean to tell me the Giants can't win? Maybe six of them now? Maybe? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you know what? That's what the NFL is all about. It's about looking ahead. It's about thinking, why not us? In the NFL, there's so much parity that's involved. One year a team is bad, the next year they're good, and vice versa. Look at that schedule for the Giants, and if you're a Giant fan, tell me right now why you can't have a good showing in those first 10 games of the year. And who knows, is Dak Prescott going to be back by Thanksgiving? What if something goes like awful during that hand surgery? Or what if the rest of the team is decimated by injuries by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, even if Dak is back? 800 that's the telephone number. Let's start it off with Wilson and Roxbury. First up on this overreaction Monday on the Dan Grosser Show, 9870
2: ESPN. Wilson, how are you? Hey, hey, Dan, how are you? Hey, listen, Dan, after the, the nightmare that we had for the, the, the past five years, we deserve to overreact. Like, listen, we deserve to overreact. I don't want to hear about trading. I don't want to hear about the future. Listen, I could be dead next year, man. I want to see. Well, let's hope now. not, Wilson. I mean, my God. I know that. But you know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about the future, man. The future is now. I want the Giants, after, after yesterday and after watching the schedule, let me overreact. Let me think that we have a chance to make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Let, let, me, let, me, let me at least enjoy that hopefully my season is not over before Halloween. That's what I want. That's what I want as Giants fans. And, uh, and listen, I think we we deserve to overreact. And you know what made it even better again? You know what made, made it even better icing on the cake? I was watching their Red Zone channel, right? Because mm-hmm. the Giants play at four. Yep. And I was watching a lot of the New England games. I swear to God, I thought I was watching the Giants from last year. I mean... <laughs> Over and under, I think Bill Belichick fires that bomb, Joe Judge, after four games. That made it even better. So it was a a great day, man. This bomb basically is destroying the New England Patriots, and we won a game that nobody gives us a chance. So let me
1: overreact, man. Let me overreact, please. Wilson, I love it. Thanks for the phone call. I love it. See, that? See that's what you want from a victory Monday. Even if it's a little bit overreaction, who cares? This is what you want. You got Giant fans coming on, crowing about their big win yesterday, and then, because they got the win in their pockets, they can throw shade at Joe Judge, even though he's dealing with his own mess right now up in Foxborough. And by the way, one game does not make a season, good or bad, I know that. But if I not said for weeks for weeks that this Patriots team is the least talented team in the AFCs that I picked them to finish in last did I not did I not and you don't know if I'm wrong he can come back and throw it in my face the other way around too but at least for one Sunday I'm proven right and I think it's only going to get worse for him now Mac Jones has a boo on his back back doesn't feel good he needs x-rays some people want to put him in Canton Ohio pump the brakes pump the brakes More of your phone calls on this overreaction Monday. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is
0: better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code
1: 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Dan Grasso's show, 98.7 ESPN, on this first overreaction Monday of the 2022 NFL season you get me on Twitter at Dan Gross at GRACA Mets and Cubby scoreless going to the second Mets loaded the bases in the first inning but could not score any runs pitching against uh, the youngster Javier Assad so uh, no bueno in inning number one for the Mets to look to improve upon that here against uh, a Cubs team which is clearly already playing for next season. You know, Saquon, again, there's not much more positive I can say from what you saw from him yesterday. And, boy, if if this thing keeps up and what he is able to provide for this team, I know I'm having some fun about the trade stuff, but think about how it changes the outlook of this offense. Now, I'm still not 100% sold on the quarterback. I mean, I would say a little bit less considerably than 100%. On Daniel Jones, but Saquon is a different beast altogether here. What did he think of his performance yesterday? Here's the giant running back.
2: Just one game, to be honest. That's how I look at it. Obviously, at the end of the day, I'm excited to get the win. But personally, I just got to keep coming in. Something that just keeps taking me. Coach Dave says, just enjoy the process, and that's something I've been battling in the last two years with rehabbing and injuries, and um, that's been my mindset. So no matter what, when. Loss, tied. I was going to come here with the same mindset and just keep enjoying the process and uh, coming to work every, every single day because we had a great week of practice. No matter what the result was going to be, we can't let that alter what happens this week. So just got to keep, keep grinding and keep leaning on each other.
1: His performance, and if he could keep this up, it takes some of the pressure off the quarterback. I mean, that's what any good running, ba- running game is going to do. And I think, you know, we'll get to the Jets a little bit later on. I thought for the most part when it was still a game, the Jets ran the ball really well yesterday. So it should have made the quarterback's job a lot easier, but as we know, it didn't. But Daniel Jones, you know, you look at the box score yesterday. You say, oh, 17 to 21. Two touchdown passes, buck 88. You know, quarterback rating, gaudy, over 100. But if you watch the Daniel Jones performance with your own two eyes, it, 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 I still was not there to completely buy in. You might feel differently, but you saw some of the same mistakes again, right? You know, the fumble in the first half, the end zone. I mean, that end zone interception is a backbreaker, right? In years past when the Giants weren't any good and you knew that they were a bad team and, you know, he kept turning the ball over in the red zone, you say to yourself, well, you know, hey, that's, that's just who we are. But now this is like his last chance. Last chance to prove that he is the right guy and he is going to be the answer. And if you're making those same mistakes, I mean, you saw Dayball's reaction. He's not going to stand for this. You know, each one of these mistakes, it gets filed away up into his brain. These are things that he is going to have to fix if he wants to be the guy here. But he brought his team home a winner. So that's progress to a certain extent, is it not? Let's say hi to uh, Danny and Mount Morris up next, 98.7 ESPN. Danny, how are you? Hi. Hey, can you hear me? Dan, we got you. What's going on? How are you? Oh,
2: not much. Um doing good. Doing good. I just wanted to it's my first time calling your show. You got a pretty good show. I uh I'm up here in Buffalo Bills country.
1: Very nice. And enjoying yeah, the spoils. Are...
2: <laughs> well listen, I uh try to keep myself from thinking more uh like from getting spoiled because it wasn't that long ago. Um we didn't have a quarterback that was our answer either. And I just wanted to tell all you Giants fans that Daniel Jones is not the answer. Believe me, take it from a fan of a team who had plenty of experience of not having the right quarterback. I don't see it with him. I don't even see the leadership out of him. I'm just, I think Brian Dayball inherited him and I don't think he can't get him out quick enough to get his own guy in.
1: Well, you know what, Dan, and and I thank you for the phone call. Final chapter is yet to be written. Right now, again, I'll go back to the same thing that I had been saying before the season even started. I think the week one starting quarterback for the New York Giants, which is probably, what, going to be a year from today? Isn't that like what the Sunday is, right? The 12th will be on a Sunday? A year from today, the guy who was going to be under center for the New York Giants, I do not believe is on the roster currently. I do not believe it. He might be in college still right now, going to a frat party, sitting in the library, you know, working on a term paper. Or he's on one of the other 31 NFL teams. But I do not believe he is currently on this New York Giants roster. I don't believe it. But you know what? Daniel Jones has 16 games, to prove me wrong. You know, another guy, for example, that, you know, uh, the fallout from the game and getting people talking. By the way, wasn't it great to see Shepard make that big play? I mean, given everything that he has fought back from with the injury, I mean, get him back here into this offense as a contributor. But what about Kadarius Toney? Now, we could just talk it, chalk it up and say, well, that's Gettleman. That's a Dave Gettleman special out the door, a rookie who's not going to – well, he was a rookie last year, but a young player who's not going to contribute and who isn't going to pan out for this team. Kadarius Toney yesterday – Played a whopping total. Giants had 60 snaps on offense, 6-0. Kadarius Tony played seven. Look at it this way. I was at MetLife Stadium doing the Jets-Ravens broadcast, right? Kadarius Toney was at the stadium in Tennessee where the Giants was playing, and Kadarius Toney only played seven more snaps than I did. Look at it that way. You know what I look at it as? To me... Kadarius Toney was a guy who wasn't necessarily all there during the offseason program, correct, for various reasons, as we know. But Brian Dayball is letting it be known. It's my team. We're implementing a new culture here. It is a fresh new start. If you want to play, you are going to have to earn your playing time. It is not going to be just given to you because of where you were drafted. Remember, Brian Dayball and Joe Shane didn't draft Kadarius Toney. They're not attached to this guy. It'd be great if it works out, but they're not attached to him. No different than the quarterback. Quarterback has a lot more years under his belt already with the franchise, but Kadarius Toney was not brought in by these guys. He is somebody who was left over that you hope will be a player that helps the rebuilding process. But if he's not all in and he's not available, they're not just going to hand it to him. You have to earn it. And I think that that's a great message to send to the rest of that locker room. I really and truly do. Remember, everything is great when you're winning, guys. Right? Yesterday, you get a win. Everything is great in Giant land for at least the next seven days. And then a week from today, after that game against Carolina happens next week, we might be sitting here singing a completely different tune about the Giants. What happens next week if the Jets go into Cleveland, beat up on the Browns, and the Giants go out there and lay an egg against Carolina in the home opener? right? That's what makes this fun because we have no idea what's going to happen despite the fact that we might think we do. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. We'll switch gears and talk about that other team in town, that other team that played football yesterday. And yeah, probably could have been a little bit better. Dan Grasso Show, Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Talking about week one, a week one that was, a week one that's still continuing, as a matter of fact, in the National Football League. It'll wrap up tonight out in Seattle. Russell Wilson. I don't know if you guys saw the video of him arriving to the stadium tonight in Seattle. It looked like he was showing up for prom. He was wearing like a shiny mint green, like, tuxedo with like a bow tie suit, tuxedo, shiny, I don't know. I don't know who the maker is. I don't know who the designer is. But Russ with the Broncos. Into Seattle tonight, his old stomping grounds. I'm sure there's going to be like a ceremony, all those things. And by the way, here's a nice little factoid. This was from ESPN. You know how we always harp on the fact that nobody plays in the preseason? How, you know, they rest starters too much, and you wish that the starters would get out there and play more in the preseason? So you wouldn't have as much maybe shoddy football in the first couple of weeks of the season. You're not going to see the rust. Maybe the play is a little bit more crisp out there. Well, ESPN told us earlier that quarterbacks that did not play a single snap in the preseason, you know what their record was in week one? It was three and seven. Three and seven. Russell Wilson, by the way, is the 11th quarterback who did not play at all in the preseason. And he will make his week one debut tonight, of course, in Seattle with his new team, the Denver Broncos. So 3-7 and if he didn't play there in the preseason. And one of those seven, of course, was Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, who did not look good at all yesterday. They didn't look good at all. They looked even worse last year in week one when they lost to the Saints in blowout fashion. But things still turned out all right for Green Bay and for Aaron Rodgers as he won an MVP award. And uh, Green Bay won their division before losing into the playoffs here. Um... Remember, you get me on Twitter, at Dan Grossa G-R-A-C-A. A couple of tweets coming in from people. Fade Me wants to know why Kadarius Tony only had six snaps. Richie James should never lead the receivers and targets. We talked about that already. Dayball wants to make people earn it. Simple as that. Nothing more, nothing less. Manny said yesterday's Giants win is fool's gold. Don't fall for it. Quarterback is horrible. We're going to be in quarterback hell, so Saquon going nuts all year is a negative because the quarterback is horrid. That They can't give Barkley a big contract. I agree that you don't want to give Barkley a big contract. Certainly not one that resembles what his draft stock or draft place was in 2018, which we all know should not have been second overall because they're not taking a running back that high. But could Saquon Barkley have a future on this team to where you don't have to overpay him? I think it's possible because I'll look at it this way. Let's say that Saquon Barkley is not a New York Giant next year, and he goes and plays someplace else. Who is giving him a big contract? Like, what team in the NFL, obviously learning you would think from the mistakes that the Giants made once upon a time under Gettleman by drafting a a running back that high, what team is going to go out there and throw major money at him? That just doesn't happen. The running backs that get big time, dot, like, for instance, Derrick Henry with the Tennessee Titans, you know, gets a second contract worth a lot of money. That's from the team that drafted them, the team that knows them better than anybody. It's going to be very rare for a team to go pluck a guy like Saquon off the Giants roster and give them crazy, crazy dollars. I mean, didn't teams see what happened with Le'Veon Bell and the New York Jets when he signed? And he sat out that entire year. Jets gave him all that money, and he was shot completely. By the way, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, did you guys see over the weekend? I didn't even know what was happening. Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson got in the ring, and they had a boxing match, and Le'Veon decked Adrian Peterson, flattened him like a pancake, knocked him out. I would have actually probably, like, if I was a betting man, I would have probably said AP would have won that one. Not knowing anything about their boxing styles, just thinking about them as football players and the physicality. Because, like, Le'Veon Bell wasn't really like a physical runner. He was one of those more like patient type guys. Remember, he like danced around in the back, drove me crazy. Danced around in the backfield before he like found the hole and then hit it, and that was his thing. But Adrian Peterson was a dude who was like, you know, he'd run between the tackles, outside the tackles, through guys, around guys. He just seemed like more of a punishing runner over the years. I was very surprised to see that Le'Veon Bell uh, got the better of them uh, in the ring when they went at it here. 800 919 Suby is in Midtown. He's up next. Dan Grasso, 98.7 ESPN. Suby, how are you?
0: Hey, Dan. Like, regarding the Jets, it's easy. Like, they don't have any dynamic players or they're not getting the ball in the di- hands of the dynamic players. Um, regarding Joe Flacco, if, even if they ran some screen passes to, you know, uh, the new wide receivers in town, uh, Garrett Wilson. I mean, I don't think they did that. Um, so the change needs to be made with Mike White going in next week, maybe in the second half versus the Browns. The teams have going to have Flacco figured out in the second half. I mean, they're going to pretty much figure out that this guy can't throw that deep anymore. And then not only that, uh, you know, Rob Sala's job is on the line, I think, in the second half of the season. If this team doesn't win, you know, more than the six games. I think the Rob Sala experiment is turning into sort of the Joe Judge experiment where it's more hustled and more dynamic. And uh, Mike LaFleur is to blame, too. That's all i got to say.
1: Well, uh, Subi, thanks for the phone call. First of all, I don't think you can blame Mike LaFleur for what happened yesterday. Um, now, I know that people were critical of him last year, the first few weeks of the season especially when that offense was, you know, having a hard time gaining some traction and whatnot. I don't think the Robert Sala and the Joe Judge comparisons are fair, to be quite honest with you. Here's the difference. When they were both hired as head coaches, everybody wanted Robert Sala. I don't know if there was one Jet fan alive that when his name was in the conversation and then he find out that he got the job that was not excited and thought that it would be a good hire. Because Robert Sala had a resume, a track record. He was the defensive coordinator of a team that came very close to winning a Super Bowl a couple of years back in San Francisco. You saw that energy, that excitement on the sidelines that he provided. Universally, I think that that was a move that was appraised or praised by Jets fans. Joe Judge. How many Giant fans never even heard of Joe Judge when he was hired? Like, I remember when he did get the job, I was saying, Really? Like, you had proven candidates out there. And then Joe Judge, they just picked him out of, like, obscurity. I mean, the guy was the special teams coach for the Patriots? Really? And he wasn't even somebody that was, like, on the radar at the beginning of the process. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, because you're not a coordinator that you're not going to be successful or you're not going to be a head coach. The guy that was just here at MetLife Stadium yesterday, John Harbaugh, he was never a coordinator. John Harbaugh was the Eagles special teams coach when the Ravens hired him. And what has John Harbaugh done? John Harbaugh has created a borderline Hall of Fame head coaching career. That's how good he's been. Either way, I don't care who you are. Joe Judge, Robert Solid, John Harbaugh, you know what you got to do as a head coach? Got to win some freaking games or you're not going to be a head coach.